Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. And what's about to uh, to happen here for the next 25 minutes or so is, is one of our favorite segments of the week where we do the most we could possibly do in our final half hour of the show every week. Let's start with our nightly hot stove check-in. And tonight's an interesting one because tonight, 8 p.m., the non-tender deadline across Major League Baseball. And for those of you out there like, well, I think I know what that is. What is that? Basically, you have players that are not free agents yet, but you have to tender them a contract, right? That kind of the guys that in between their, their fourth and sixth year in the majors, you have to give them a contract for the next year. It's not just automatic. And for most teams, most players who they do want back, it becomes kind of routine and automatic. Like the Phillies tendered Reese Hoskins a contract. They tendered uh, Jose Alvarado a contract. No, no one of note was non-tendered by the Phillies. But there was there were, oh, every year there are some players that are non-tendered by teams who just don't want to pay them what they're going to get in arbitration. They're like, it's just we want to move on. Uh, and you don't cut them, you non-tender them. A couple of years ago, the Chicago Cubs non-tendered Kyle Schwarber. I think he's hit like 100 home runs in the two years since they non-tendered that guy. So that was a bad decision. Probably a mistake. Yeah. They haven't won anything since. They haven't. Um, and a long time ago, about 20 years ago now, the Minnesota Twins famously non-tendered David Ortiz. That one didn't work out either. So this happens. I think two years ago, the White Sox non-tendered Carlos Rodon. He ended up going back there for one year, but then he left again and went to the Giants and had a Cy Young kind of season. So this happens where you might find like a star player who just gets cut loose tonight. So the one that I think is the most interesting in, in terms of a Phillies conversation is Cody Bellinger was non-tendered by the Los Angeles Dodgers tonight. I mean, the guy won an MVP in 2019. I, I understand he has stunk the last couple of years. So many strikeouts. The batting average is probably like eye-openingly bad. But it's not like he's 32 or 30, even 30, where it's like, all right, he's just it's over, right? He's past his prime. He, he can't hit anymore. Is Cody Bellinger even 26 yet? I think he was 23 when he won the MVP, maybe. I, I'd be surprised if he's more than 26 years old. I mean, that, I think he's right there. Uh, he is 27. Okay, so 20. So, but that's he's two months younger than me. Okay, so he's, he's he just played his age 26 season? Yes. Okay. I would, I'd be interested in seeing how much it costs to sign him on a one-year deal. Schwarber, who, again, was non-tendered a couple years ago, I think he signed like a one-year $8 million deal or $10 million deal with the Nationals and then obviously parlayed that to, to coming here this past year. I would look into Cody Bellinger. So a couple of things. One, his power has always been enormous and real. Two, the Phillies have a hole in the lineup without Bryce Harper for, I don't know, two months next season, maybe more. You know, how many guys out there will be able to fill that hole? I mean, I, I know we could do the Derek Hall thing again, and that probably could work against right-handed pitching, but there's not a lot of upside to Derek Hall, and he's got to be a DH anyway. Cody Bellinger's a quality center fielder who I'm sure if they want to play right and they leave Marsh at center field, they could do that. And then, you know, there's also a chance Castellanos just doesn't bounce back. And, like, then you're not locked into it. You have an option in right field or in the outfield or DH, whatever, not named Nick Castellanos. I, I would look into it. I know they have other things they're going to do. They have other needs. They're going to spend on a pitcher or spend on a shortstop. I would call up Cody Bellinger's agent and see how much it costs to just get in the mix because they could use him, and I think he's worth a flyer. And I think he really fits what they need before Bryce Harper gets back. At the very least, he's someone who can play all three outfield spots. Yep. He has experience playing first base as well. And if Bryce Harper isn't back until July or so, he can kind of rotate in with everybody, right? Like we, we've talked before about how this is a team with three or four 
DH is in the lineup. Well, guess what? If you're DH and Reese Hoskins, Cody Bellinger can play first. If you're DH and Kyle Schorber and Nick Castellanos, you can move Cody Bellinger to center and, and Brandon Marsh to the corner or vice versa. I just think he's such a versatile piece defensively that if you add someone like him, I don't want to say the offense is a bonus because it depends on how much you're paying him, but he could just take down quality innings as a plus defender at four different spots where you didn't get good defense last year. Again, the last three years have been poor. Last two. I mean, 2020 was fine. The last two years have been bad. Like, he's been a bad player. But this is a guy hit 47 home runs and won a gold glove. How, how many players ever have had a year where they've won, hit 47 home runs and won a gold glove? I mean, that's got to be a very short list. I, I, I think I, I think a bunch of teams will, will try to take a flyer on him because, all right, it's, it's probably a one-year deal. If he stinks, well, okay, let him go. If he hits, it's like, wow, we got a star player. His batting average should jump 45 points this year. From 165 to 210? Yeah, that's progress. Listen, jumps against 45 points. We got ourselves a player here. I'd be interested. If I, if I were the Phillies, I'd be interested in, uh, in looking at Cody Bellinger, who was cut loose by the Dodgers tonight. Are right, the two other things. One, John Heyman of the uh, Odyssey and the New York Post today wrote that. So I'll pull up the quote here about Xander Bogart. So he first reported on Bogart's last, I guess it was last weekend, that Bogart's fits the Phillies and, and maybe more than Trey Turner. So the quote in today's column Baseball president Dave Dombrowski has strong ties to Bogarts, and he looks like the most likely. And that was in the section about the Phillies and, and which yeah, he was kind of writing about which teams could be after these shortstops. So Bogarts the most likely for the Phillies. It doesn't surprise me. He's going to cost less than Trey Turner, and there's that familiarity with um, with Dombrowski, which and that's kind of why Castellanos is here, at the familiarity he had with him. I'm not saying they should sign every player he's just familiar with, but that counts for something. I, I will not be surprised if Bogarts is the guy here with the Phillies at shortstop. It, it feels right. And I think his price tag is low enough to the point where you can add him and then add a legitimate starting pitcher. I don't know if they can go out and afford someone like Rodon or, or Justin Verlander, but this is a team with multiple holes. And if Trey Turner was all they needed and all they needed was an upgrade at shortstop, I would say, yeah, go all in and, and do it. But this is a team that, that really needs help especially on the pitching side when it comes to depth. So, yeah, if you can save a couple bucks and add a guy who's gotten an all-star nod or MVP votes in, like, each of the last six seasons, by all means, go do that and try to address that that fourth spot in your rotation. Yeah, I'm in on that idea. Now, the last thing tonight, and this is not great news for the Phillies or anyone in the NL, the Dodgers are already the best team on paper. So, according to John Heyman, they are now planning on chasing Aaron Judge in free agency. So the Dodgers are going to lose Trey Turner, most likely, and they're going to go replace him with Aaron Judge. It's almost like the Dodgers just kind of trade out ways to just win 110 games. Like, how, how can we do it this year? Find, get Mookie Betts, develop this player, sign that player, trade for that player, and now maybe Aaron Judge goes and joins that crew out in Los Angeles. I mean, they're really just swapping him for Bellinger, if that's the case, isn't it? Bellinger was pretty much their everyday center fielder, yeah. played 140 games. Yeah, they'll, they'll get way better if they do it. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Dodgers have had so many years where they're the best on paper. It doesn't resonate in the in the postseason. But it almost feels unfair if, they, if they're stacking. I mean, if they're stacking, think about their lineup. They could go one, two, three of Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Aaron Judge. They finished top three in almost every offensive category in the National League. 
Yeah, and they could and they could add a guy who had sixty two home runs. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. So, and they obviously have the money to do it. They have one hundred million coming off the books this offseason. So, keep an eye on that one. We could have Aaron Judge being chased by the Dodgers and the Giants in the NL, along with the Yankees in the American League. All right, let's get to NFL picks here. Guess the takes for week number eleven. Does it feel like it's Thanksgiving week? I guess next week's Thanksgiving. I really think they should have restarted the NFL season after the Phillies ended. Like from week one? Yeah, like I think we really missed half the season watching the team in October. But the Eagles were undefeated. Yeah. You would have signed up for that? Yeah, I would have redone it. Okay. Uh, I feel like we didn't get to properly enjoy it. Well, well, you know what? We have 18 weeks now, so there's still a decent chunk of this season to go. Let's talk about the picks for this week and – and the takes, how I think everyone's, what I th- everything everyone's going to be saying on Monday. Number one, we'll start with this game. I think there's an upset brewing up in the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey on Sunday. I don't know how the Giants win every week. I mean, I, you look at some of the numbers, that receiving core is horrendous. It's the worst receiving core in the NFL. Daniel Jones is getting by, throwing for like 175 yards a game. I mean, they're great, great production out of Saquon Barkley, but I just... I just feel like if you show me a team like the Giants, I'm going to start going the other way, and I think the losses will start to come. I'm going to take the Lions plus the three in New York against the Giants on Sunday, and I think they can win the game outright. Detroit's defense has gotten a little bit better the last three, four weeks. They've won two in a row under Dan Campbell for the first time, and I look at this game and I say, are they going to blow the Giants? Are the Giants going to blow the Lions out? I don't think so. Who has the better quarterback in this game? I guess Daniel Jones is a little bit better than than, uh, than Jared Goff. I got, but I I don't have conviction in that. Who has the better weapons across the offense? It's the Lions. They have better receivers than the Giants by a lot. And I don't think the Giants' defense is overwhelming. I think they missed their safety, uh, McKinley, who's out for a little while with an injury. I'm going the Lions plus the three. I think it could be a very close game. In fact, I think the Lions go to and win this game in New York against the Giants. Lions plus three on Sunday. Pick number one. Game number two, I'm actually interested in this matchup. It's, it's one of the biggest ones of the weekend, and I didn't think it would be before the season. The Jets at the Patriots. And there's just one aspect of this game I can't get over. If you look at Zach Wilson's numbers, overall they're bad. If you look at Zach Wilson's numbers against Bill Belichick, they are like you, you have to shield your eyes. That's how bad Zach Wilson has played against Bill Belichick defenses in his first two years in the NFL. I don't think that changes on Sunday. I'm going to go with the Patriots minus three and a half. I think they're better. I think at home off a bye, Belichick gets a young quarterback he's owned. It's a good spot for the Pats. Patriots minus three and a half on Sunday against the New York Jets in a big AFC East battle. And my third play for this week, I'm going the Pittsburgh Steelers plus three and a half at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't I don't. I haven't understood all year what the Bengals are. Some weeks they look really good. Some weeks they just lay out complete clunkers. I'm not the biggest fan of their coach, Zach Taylor. I know they were in the Super Bowl last year. And I just say Mike Tomlin getting points. T.J. Watt came back last week. I took the Steelers last week in our our pick segment. Getting one and a half at home against the Saints. They won that easily. At home, Mike Tomlin late in the season getting points. Plus, T.J. Watt is back. It's a Totally different defense with, with T.J. Watt. In week one, th- these teams played. T.J. Watt was healthy. And the Steelers' defense harassed Joe Burrow the entire game. I think they could do it again. Make this game ugly. Muck it up. Give me the Steelers. Plus three and a half. Q 
Kenny Pickett to George Pickens, some big plays down the field. I'll take the Steelers plus the three and a half on Sunday for my third pick of the week. And then I got to throw this one out there because I, I think we get another upset, but it doesn't really feel like an upset. The Chicago Bears have run for over 200 yards in five straight games. Justin Fields has the most rushing yards of any quarterback in a five-game span in the history of the NFL. They have found something in Chicago with Fields and running the football, and they go to Atlanta this week. And I look at this, it's, it's kind of a, uh, like a revenge or narrative spot for Justin Fields. He's a Georgia kid, and the Falcons passed on him in last year's draft. And they obviously should have taken him now that we're watching Fields emerge. Like, their quarterback's Marcus Mariota, and they don't really have a future unless Des- Desmond Ritter could play. I think Fields goes down to Atlanta with the Bears and shows the Falcons what they missed out on. I'm going to take the Bears plus the three. I think they can win the game outright in Atlanta. So I'm going to go the Bears plus the three, Giants plus the three, Steelers plus three and a half, three dogs, and I'll go with the Patriots minus three and a half on Sunday for my plays this week. Now it is time to guess the takes, what everyone is talking about come Monday across the NFL. Take number one you're going to hear is that Justin Fields is the next superstar kind of quarterback. And we'll see if he gets that level. But doesn't it feel like he's on a a trajectory where if he keeps going like this, he's one of the stories of the NFL season? I mean, five weeks ago, Fields was, I mean, basically a bust. And now he's come out of nowhere. I mean, some morons in the WIP League dropped Justin Fields. I mean, can you imagine that, dropping Justin Fields in the middle of the season? Yeah, and I think the guy who picked him up should be forced to bring him back to us. I agree with that because he's not winning anyway. That no, guy. and if you are just harboring Justin Fields on a losing team, you're a scumbag. <laughs> I agree. That guy is a loser and should hand Fields back to us for the stretch run of the season. Anyway, it was Tucker and I that dropped Justin Fields. We're actually doing fun. I mean, I have to say I'm proud of our team this year. I'm proud of how we're doing. We probably would win the league if we kept Fields. I'm sad Tom Kelly doesn't have the speakers on, so he can't hear us. He can't hear us rip him to shreds here over his Justin Fields pickup. Anyway, Fields as a superstar is a take you're going to hear on Monday. Take number two you're going to hear on Monday is that the Saints are a listless football team that actually is going to give away a top five pick to the Eagles. You know the Saints are down to three and seven now? And are we sure they should be favored over the Rams on Sunday? I know the Rams are without Cooper Cup. But are we sure the Saints should be a three-point favorite against anyone in the NFL right now? Especially a team that has a better quarterback and coach than they do. I think the Rams go to New Orleans on Sunday, win the game. And I think the Saints at 3-8 and eight are staring and handing the Eagles a top-five pick in the NFL draft. And the third take you're going to hear come Monday is maybe, just maybe, we went too far too fast on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert a year ago was being put into an elite class of quarterbacks. He, you know, if you go back and look at rankings of quarterback lists, he was ranked top five on a lot of people's expert lists heading into the season. Despite, you know, not making the playoffs, not having a winning record, those kind of things. He was a top five quarterback. He's not playing well. I know he has the rib injury, and that probably has hampered him since week two. And he hasn't had his full complement of receivers this week. He, he may have both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back. But, I mean, at some point... The Chargers and, and, and Justin Fields have to win football games. They lose on Sunday to the Chiefs. They are 5-5. Five and five. They would be three back with seven to play, including the tiebreaker would be the Chiefs. I mean, they'd basically be four back with eight to play. They'd be dead in the division. I think you're going to hear too far too fast on Justin Fields and the hype 
was over the top. Those are the takes. Those are the picks for week number 11 in the NFL. All right, let's look to uh, FanDuel Sportsbook for our favorite props. Eagles and the Colts on Sunday. Eagles currently favored by six and a half points. It is a number that was, it's way different. I mean, that it was, it's actually up to seven now over at FanDuel Sportsbook. So the numbers got back up to seven, perhaps some sharp money coming on the Eagles, and it's now at a touchdown. But let's look at the props for this game across the board. And, and there's one, and I know we have to put together a same-game parlay over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And, and I, I would love if one, one of these weeks we hit one on the nose. Because after we're done here, I usually put them in. I usually put it, you know, just drop a, a couple bucks on a same-game parlay. It'd be cool to have next week, like, we won and we gave out the winners. Let's try to do it. All right, Eagles, Colts, same-game parlay over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's start with this. I think Jalen Hurts' legs have to be a bigger part of the game this week for a lot of reasons. Colts' defense pretty good. Uh, Eagles missing Dallas Goddard. I'm not sure how healthy A.J. Brown actually is, even though he had a full participancy in practice today and he'll play on Sunday. I'm going to go, Tucker, I'm going to put Jalen Hurts over 42 and a half rushing yards. They've dropped it. It was like in the 50s for the last five weeks, and he hasn't been coming close. 42 and a half, I think it's a more reasonable number. I think he's going to have to take off, and I think he goes over this number on Sunday. So I'm going to put Hurts over 42 and a half yards rushing on Sunday. Let's go to the Jonathan Taylor rushing yards. Jonathan Taylor's rushing yards right now are set at 85 and a half. What are you thinking? Over, under? I think over. Like, I, I think he's probably, if he gets under 25 carries, I would be shocked. It's their only way to win the game. It's their only way to win the game. And you saw what Jeff Saturday did. I mean, not only did he have, I think, 26 or 27 carries yep. on uh, Sunday in their last win over the Raiders, he played almost every snap offensively. I mean, that just doesn't happen in the NFL. He played 61 of 65 snaps and had 22 carries for 147 yards. He's going to get the ball a ton. I like it. All right, how about this one? Colts total points. The Colts have been um, a, be- a better defensive team than offensive team. I think they're bottom five or six in yards per play. Eagles defense this year's average, I think they put up the graphic on Monday. They gave up 35 to the Lions week one or in the 30s to the Lions. Then it was 14.3 per game until Monday night. I think the Eagles' defense bounces back on Sunday. I like under 19.5 for Colts' total points. This strikes me as a 27-17, kind of game. I'm going to go under 19.5 Colts' total points on Sunday. I, I don't think they're going to score a lot. The one thing that I find interesting is the Colts, really their entire offense is underneath passing and Jonathan Taylor runs. Right. Those are two things the Eagles struggle with. The Eagles are the best team defensively uh, on deep passes, and they're kind of middle of the pack when it comes to to short throws. We saw that on Monday night against Taylor Heineke. He was just kind of hitting Terry McLaurin for for short slants and letting him take him across the sticks. I don't think the Colts are capable of scoring a ton because that that strategy kind of lends itself to being on the field a long time. But it does worry me because I just don't think this is a really favorable matchup. For the Eagles. How about this one? So the Eagles have not allowed a 250-yard passer in any game this season. Currently, Matt Ryan's passing prop is at 235.5. They're not going to go deep. You mentioned a few minutes ago they have to give the ball at least 25 times to Jonathan Taylor. What do we think about the under on Matt Ryan passing yards? I think 235 is a, is a pretty high number. You look at what he's done so far this season. He He's hit 
over 235 three, four times this season and had 222 last week against the Raiders. I mean, that seems to be what they're going to do. He only threw the ball 28 times against Las Vegas, and you compare that to 44, 58, 41, 37, 37, 30, and 50 when Frank Reich was the head coach. I just I think this offense is going to be completely different now that Frank Reich is out of the picture, and it's going to revolve around just basically him turning around and handing the ball to Jonathan Taylor. All right, let's find a touchdown prop here. So we have so far we have four props in for our same game parlay over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Eagles, Colts on Sunday. Hurts over 42.5 yards rushing. Jonathan Taylor over 85.5 yards rushing. Under 19.5 for the Colts total points. Under 235 for Matt Ryan's total. Right now we're looking at about a 10-to-1 parlay here, which is it's fun, but like we could get spicier than that. Where are we going for any time touchdown score? So right now, Jonathan Taylor's at minus 135. Miles Sanders, minus 120. Hertz, minus 120. And after that, we get into some of the plus money on some of these guys. What's a fun touchdown prop? What do you think about a Zach Paschal touchdown? I was just going to say, how about a yeah. Zach Paschal revenge touchdown? Yeah, Sirianni coaching Paschal back in his old building. 10-1 to 1 on a Zach Paschal touchdown. All right, now we're cooking with gas. So you put that touchdown in, Zach Pascal ten to one. That puts us at one fifty to one on a parlay. So that means a ten dollar same game parlay over at our friends with FanDuel Sportsbook pays you out fifteen or one thousand five hundred and sixty two dollars. Hertz over, Taylor over, Colts points under, Matt Ryan passing yards under, Zach Pascal touchdown, ten bucks, one thousand five hundred and sixty two dollars on the return. I'll tell you what, if that hits, I have a feeling we won't hear from you next week. You will not. I'm out. F- clean out next week. Just I'm taking a week for myself with my fifteen hundred bucks. That that I, I like that. That we'll make that our five leg same game parlor over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Hertz over rushing yards. Jonathan Taylor over rushing yards. Colts under total points of nineteen and a half. Matt Ryan under two hundred and thirty five and a half passing yards. And the Zach Pascal anytime touchdown score. I love the Zach Pascal angle. It's my favorite angle we have in this in this week's parlay. Pascal, you know Sirianni's got a Pascal play lined up in the red zone. Get him in space. Get him over the middle. Throw it to him. Touchdown. I love that one. That I feel like that. You know, I, of course it's it's a touchdown props. So those are harder, but I feel like that's that's the best one of the parlay. And I feel like Nick Sirianni kind of plays into those storylines, right? Think yeah. about. How, you know, Devontae Smith didn't get the ball week one. He goes out and gets the ball very first play in, in week two. Lane Johnson's kind of been clamoring to get the ball. He got a touchdown last year. Zach Pascal against the Colts feels like a great matchup. Yeah, I like that one. So we'll put that How in. Do you think Jeff Saturday will let Nick Foles touch the ball? Mm. What's the prop on a Nick Foles receiving touchdown? I don't I don't see that one listed. I mean, it, it would have to be what? Like a thousand and one. I mean, he caught one in the Super Bowl. I, I don't know, know that, if you remember but, that. Well, he was though. He was the starting quarterback that day. He was he was playing. Yeah, I don't see him listed. Um, Zach Pascal is the least. I mean, he's the, he's the bottom. He's towards the bottom of possible Eagles to score a touchdown. Love that one. All right, fun- is he the actual lowest one? Is there someone below him? No Eagles below him. Um, the only players below Pascal, like with. with you know, lower odds or uh, longer odds. Matt Ryan, Zach Moss, Nikola Kalanick. I don't know. Okay, and uh, Kike. Sounds like a cough medicine. Kike Kuti. You know him from the Colts. Kiki Kuti. Kiki Kuti. Yeah, he used to play on the uh, the Texans. He was a Texan for a while. He's got. The, I mean, his his odds are. I mean, by far the, the longest. Twenty three to one for a touchdown for Kiki. 
he must not get many snaps. So if Kiki's at 23 to 1. He has one catch for 20 yards this year. Okay. And has played two offensive snaps. All I know is last week we had defensive touchdown as the last score of the game. We, 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 we have, just had the wrong side. Yeah, I mean, that's just the details of the parlay. We, we were on it. All right. Coming up next here on WIP, Boomer and Valenti with their weekly NFL podcast and, and a preview of the uh, Week 11 slate. So listen to that. And then TK's got you after that right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.